welcome back to a new episode of Sustainably Influenced with me, Bianca Foley. And me, Charlotte Williams. This season is all about the people behind the product. In a society where everything has become so disposable and waste is one of the biggest problems affecting our planet, we wanted to go back to a time where what you owned was treasured. Come with us on a journey this season where we chat with experts who are taking us back to a time where craftsmanship and ethical consumption were key, but making it suitable for today's modern society. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Sustainably Influenced. So it's my episode. Yes. I was just told from shady (laughs) Shanisha over there that I don't have any structure to my episodes (laughs) and I always come in and wing it, which is actually half true, but I'm going to prove you wrong today. I'm dying. Um, So today we are talking about upholstery. I'm really excited for this. I'm very excited about this. We have a guest coming in called Vanessa. So I'm just going to give you some background. Mm -hmm. You know this, but I'm really into upholstery. My grandparents are really, really into upholstery. So my my nan reupholsters her sofa covers every five years. She hoards material. She's like dead stock queen. She used to be a dressmaker. She finds material in different people's houses or at a car boot sale or people just throwing stuff out wherever in shops. And she will just take it. She'll keep it. And she'll make stuff. Recently, she redid the seats, like the cushion pads on my brother's dining room chairs, which was amazing because she's quite old now and her hands aren't super steady. So it was quite nice that she was able to do it. She made me a beautiful headboard. This is just an episode about my nan, actually. So get get in, guys. (laughs) She made me a beautiful headboard from a headboard that I got from Gumtree. It was like this beautiful scallop shape and it had like a terrible cotton cover on it and it was all stained Mm. and stuff. And then we bought some lovely velvet material, navy blue from Shepherd's Bridge Market. And then she reupholstered it with my granddad, took it apart, and then she sewed it and put it back Much together. Like these, Much like these chairs, actually. Much yeah, like same colour. Now we've changed our aesthetics in our bedroom, so we don't have it anymore. But I've actually saved it. It's in my parents' loft because when I buy my house one day, that will be in one of the rooms. Oh, I love that. So beautiful. It's beautiful, and there's that sentimental value yeah. attached to it as well. And they, we made it together. It was me, my nan, and my granddad, and we sat there. And I was more of the tea bringer, but I was definitely part of it. And Granddad pulled it apart and then Nanny did the sewing stuff. But um, mm. yes, that was great. So I digress. Really into upholstery in my family. We reupholster everything rather than buying. I think that this is a wonderful episode for you to have mm. anyway because of the new structure of the podcast and how we're talking about people this season. I feel yeah. like the person that we're talking about today is your Nan. Yeah, maybe we'll have another segment after Vanessa where Nanny Rosa comes in. So I'm really into it and I think as young people we don't think about what we can change with products. We tend to buy new things Mm -hmm. and I find that really annoying and it angers me but I feel like over the last couple of years because of the pandemic people being at home there's been a massive rise in Mm. upholstery and I've got an article that actually says that so I'm going to get into it. So I know you love this about me. I've got an article from a random online website (laughs) called furniturenews.net. I'm not going to lie. I think when we were doing research last season for the Nachi episode, I looked at this. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Because oh, nice. I kept laughing and I kept thinking this is a Charlotte special. I, I just find, you know, these niche corners of the publications internet. online. And do you know what? I think that they're gems personally because yeah. they're written from a normal perspective and they're not journalistic Yeah, you know, it's not Forbes, written. it's not Vogue, but it's furniture news and I'm sure a lot it's of people... specific for the industry. This article that I'm sorting today was written by Paul Farley in November 2021. And it's titled, Why Does Sustainability Matter in the Upholstery Sector? So Mm -hmm. it's very specific to our podcast. Just a couple of lines I'm going to pull out and then we're just Mm -hmm. going to have a chat. Because, you know, there's no structure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking, but there's no structure here. Like, we're having a chat because I've got no more. (laughs) Anyway, first line of this article, the world is going green, reshaping consumer demand in a more conscientious and considered Mm mould. And the upholstery sector is taking note, reports Paul Farley. So Paul has said, according to a new global report from the Economist Intelligence Unit, commissioned by the WWF, online searches for sustainable goods have risen by 71% over the past five years. So this was in 2021. And demand from high-income nations like ours, the UK, is particularly strong. So he interviews a few people for this article. And this guy, Adam Green, actually says, 90% of furniture sold in the UK is not recycled. And we've discussed this on the Nachi episode. But it's not recycled and ends up in landfill. Mm. It's not right when you stop to think about it. We think that as producers, it's time to consider what happens to our furniture at the end of its life. So there's been a massive increase for people focusing around sustainability mm-hmm. at home. And we've seen this. And upholstery comes into this mm-hmm. as well because it's like talking about local people or making something at home yourself and then using your own resources to get things made. Artisan, you know, all the buzzwords that we've been using for this season. <laughs> but something to note that because of UK legislation, it's not great. There are so many furniture in shops that aren't biodegradable, they're not recyclable, and they do contain harmful chemicals still. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Obviously, nobody wants those chemicals in their homes. So people who are in the know of this are moving towards, like, how can I create mm. something? So there's been a, an increase, I read in this article, an increase in foam cost. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that was a thing. But um, in the last couple of years, there's been an increase in foam cost. But also... There's been an increase in people buying eco-friendly fillers. Like, for example, I have pillows that are recycled feathers Mm -hmm. and then also eco-filling. Because I don't like feather pillows, but my partner does. So I have the filled ones, like synthetic filling. But mine is like an eco-friendly version. Mm -hmm. But there's apparently been a rise in, in people buying those kind of things as well, which is really interesting because those numbers, seeing people buying those things means that people are either making their own things or mm. other side, just being conscious of what they're buying. It's very interesting because I think a lot of people's mindset when it comes to sustainable or ethical consumption stops at food and clothes. So to know mm. that people are looking at it in a wider sense within their home is, I think, quite encouraging, really. Yeah. Yeah. And people are leaning towards local purchases. And I think we have seen that. With, Definitely. There are friends that we have who are fast fashion purchasers and, and they shop in big retailers. Mm-hmm. And we've seen when it comes to furniture, they are looking at small secondhand stores like Lofties or looking at more local stores. Yeah. And I feel like also there's been a lot of local shops, especially where I live, local shops that have popped up that are selling us really cool little bits. Yeah, where I am, there's a lot of antique stores. Mm. And I like to go for a little browse on like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon and just have a look and see what it is that they've got because 
if I'm going to make a purchase for something, I'd like to look first. The same way that we always say, we'll look secondhand first when it comes to clothing. I'd like to do the same when it comes to making those larger purchases, as long as obviously it fits your purpose. Yeah. But then if I could find an amazing insert furniture name here, (laughs) um, then I would get that over buying something new if it's already made, if it's older, if it's not adding to the environmental impact, if it's just a lower footprint, then I will buy that over buying something new or essentially flat pack that I have to make myself. Yeah, (laughs) which is interesting. The flat pack generation is us. Mm, Yeah. Or our parents, really. Them going to Ikea, buying a lot of flat pack furniture. I remember when we had the switch from Mm. non-flat pack to flat pack. I remember you you told a story before about when you were in Portugal. Oh, yeah. And how everything changed from these beautiful, antique, incredibly sturdy pieces of furniture to just... Everybody going very minimalistic and modern. It was wild. Straight lines, loads of straight lines. I had a local upholsterer in Portugal, actually, who I used to buy antiques and I used to paint them. And then we'd take the cushioning and stuff to the upholsterer and then they'd reupholster it with stuff that matched our... Um, oh, lovely. I've always been really into upholstery. It's one thing that I would really like to learn because I wouldn't say that I'm like the best sewer in the world, yeah, no, no. but I can put something together and I can follow a pattern. Just depends on if I can actually <laughs> work a sewing machine. But upholstery and reupholstering things is something that I'm really interested in because I spent a lot of money on a sofa last year and we've not had it a year yet and I have a large number of animals living in my house (laughs) and I have to think in years to come is it going to stand the test of time because it's a velvet effect I won't say it's velvet but a velvet effect and I'm thinking to myself I don't want to have to buy another sofa because I love my sofa so how can I then go about giving it a new lease of life And that's exactly what I'm thinking about. And I want to think maybe it will last at least 10 years. But then at that point, I want to be able to reupholster it. Yeah. The thing with upholstery, though, most of it isn't actually sewing. It's like handheld tools. We'll discuss this with Vanessa, but a lot of it's to do with like folding and manoeuvring the material around whatever it is that you're reupholstering. To get that sort of smooth effect. Yeah. And then you'll use like a staple gun or some kind of adhesive to do whatever so for like sofas obviously you, the cushion you have to like sew the cushion like yeah, that but it, it attaches to the base and the bit yeah. that you can't see is always the hidden bit yeah smooth on top yeah whereas like i mean i, I know how to yeah yeah no because i watch all the, all the tiktoks <laughs> yeah oh but, my goodness <laughs> at the same time give me a tool gun some cloth and something else i know i'm gonna mess it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. But I guess it's a practice thing. Maybe we yeah. should go into practicing. You can go to my nan's house. So yeah. upholstery for me is really interesting because it gives furniture a new life, a new mm-hmm. lease of life. I don't know if you remember, but my old sofa, mm-hmm. I didn't get it upholstered, but I actually but got new cushion. Covers. I got new cushion covers. I remember that. So, so I remember choosing colors with you. <laughs> yeah, and I chose the wrong color, and then I really like. I it. know, but it wasn't the look. I was really upset by it actually. <laughs> It's because I was stressed and I just chose a colour and I, sh- I wanted orange. I don't know why I didn't go for orange. I went for blue and it wasn't the colour. So then we got, but we ended up getting a new sofa because it was too big anyway. But we didn't like the colour of our sofa originally and it was like a dark grey. We had this massive sofa from Ikea and then we went online and found that you could actually get covers that have been pre-made for certain Ikea sofas. Yeah. So we had a Knockerby at the time. A discontinued sofa, but it was actually an incredible sofa. It was a lovely sofa. Um, we were able to get covers. I think they were like £500 and it 
literally changed it did. my whole room. It completely lifted everything. But yeah. it just goes to show that doing something as simple as, all right, I think if you guys hadn't have moved the room around. Yeah, we would definitely would have kept it. You would have kept that. Yeah. And then you would have had that for a much, much longer time. But it yeah. just goes to show that doing something as, I say simple because I could never reupholster anything. But by changing the colour of something or creating just new covers for your cushions, yeah. you've essentially got a brand new sofa without adding any waste or doing anything to yeah. it. And like, also it's half the price because that yeah. sofa is like nearly two grand, I think. But it was the first thing we bought for our flat. Yeah. And sofas are really expensive. Because yes, like we have, yeah. I've bought two of them. <laughs> He's bought two. Like we have a friend now that's currently buying a sofa and looking at the prices, I'm like, wow, did I spend that much? Mm -hmm. Like it's insane. Yeah, insane. It is insane how much these things cost. And I think that we always forget that these high ticket, these high value furniture items, they're not things that you're supposed to keep for a year or two years and then change. You're supposed to do something else with them or just keep them for a much longer time. Like I look at my mum's furniture. Mm. My mum spent an absolute fortune on that furniture that she's got. And she's had it for over, I want to say 25, maybe 30 years. Probably as long as I've lived in well, as long as I lived in that house, she'd had that furniture. So it's got to be nearly, what, 35 years old then, if I'm going to put it out <laughs> there. Yeah, be like, oh, just giving away my age. Um, <laughs> but it's that thing that for her, she changed the headboard on her bed and she reupholstered the headboard about oh, maybe 20 years ago now. Mm. And it stayed the same because she realised... Right, we're black women. We put a lot of stuff in our hair. You can't have a fabric headboard. Yeah, <laughs> you have to have something that wipes clean, essentially. So that's why she changed hers because it came out of necessity. And she said, "I've spent a lot of money. I'm not going to spend money on something again when I've just bought it." So then she reupholstered <sighs> it. She's great. <laughs> she <laughs> really is. I'm not going to spend the money on it because I think so many of us forget that these quote unquote old ways of living where you kept things. It was not because of sustainability or a love for the planet. No. It came out of a genuine like need, necessity. necessity. Yeah, You don't want to spend money on unnecessary things. This is my big thing about this season. And it's also, we've discussed this before. And we said this actually when we were interviewed with the BBC the other day. My sustainable journey and yours mm. somewhat as well has come from mainly more mine actually. Yeah, definitely <laughs> yours. I'd say mine was about 60% that. Yeah, but it's come from not having the money to spend on things that I want. Mm. So I buy things secondhand. And as I've got more money, I've still continued to do those things because I'm like, why would I pay full price that's, for something? That's the way you live your life, though. Yeah. That's not... I'm a tight ass. <laughs> <laughs> me too, babe. Don't you worry. I'm exactly the same. My aunt said to me the other day, oh, let me buy you something for your birthday, something that I've wanted. It's quite expensive. And I said, I've been saving up for it. And I was going to buy it myself. And she said, no, I'll buy it for you for your birthday. And... I immediately looked for discount codes because I was like, I refuse to pay full price for anything yeah. if I can. Unless obviously it's food and electricity because you're paying double the price. <laughs> but anything that I want to buy that is a luxury mm. or something that isn't a necessity for me, I you best believe if I'm going to buy it, it's been a considered purchase and I'm going to find a discount code so that I don't have to spend the full amount. Because if I can't buy it secondhand, I'm going to have to find a way to get it cheaper because... Who has the money? <laughs> Who just has the money? Exactly. I think it's... We're just tight and most of the world should be like that, but they're not unless they're wasting money. Yeah, because they think that it's easier to just buy something again rather than looking after the item that they've invested in. 
And I've had to change my partner's mindset because in his mindset was secondhand furniture, especially mm. was oh, I don't want somebody else's old stuff. And yeah. I'm like, Why? <laughs> because it's you're, great <laughs> for me to sell something. Is that not our old stuff? Why would somebody want to buy that? Yeah, exactly. Because for me, it works both ways. And my thing is, if I can get something that's something that looks brand new, that isn't rucked down essentially, <laughs> and it still serves a purpose, why would I not buy it if it's already made? Exactly. Yeah. So now we are speaking to Vanessa Butt of Vanessa Butt Upholstery, which is very exciting. We have done a lot of talking about my nan and what she does as a non-professional upholsterer, but we are now speaking to a professional. So, Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. No, we're really excited. (laughs) Vanessa is our first guest in the studio, which is like quite a big deal for us. It's like we're on best behaviour. (laughs) So tell us about your company. When did you start it? Everything. Oh, well, I started Vanessa Butt Upholstery about, mm, I'd say, three or four years ago. But before that, I had been working for other upholsterers Mm -hmm. um, in different workshops from actually Bristol to London. Oh, wow. So what I do now is I work for myself, which is great. And I specialise in sustainable upholstery. Mm. So I'm based on the Wandsworth Road, but sort of nearest Stockwell, so South okay. London. So I cover that area. And yeah, so I'm promoting upholstery in a way that we're not using foam. Mm. Um, and I can do both traditional and modern upholstery. So basically anything. What's the difference between traditional and modern? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Traditional upholstery is for any furniture that was made before 1950. So the frames are built differently and it's because when they were made, it's all to do with what materials are available at the time. So we use a lot of natural materials anyway, just because that's what traditional Mm. upholstery uses and so we use hessian we use coconut fiber we use animal hairs everything is hand stitched we use tacks instead of staples it takes a lot longer but something that's traditionally upholstered would last about 100 years modern upholstery is from 1950 onwards so you've got more sort of industrialization is happening then lots of mass-produced furniture and they're designed to be stuffed if you like or filled with foam and more of those sorts of polyester and poly-based fillings so it's quicker Mm. there's no sort of hand stitching to make the structures we're just kind of putting it on putting it in place using a staple gun which is obviously much quicker yeah And you're looking at something that will last about 10 to 15 years. So that's the kind of main difference. And it's interesting because people don't always want to pay for traditional upholstery because it takes me longer to do, so I have to charge more, even though it's more sustainable and it's going to last longer. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot to do with fashion as well, isn't there? Because mid-century modern is very in at the moment. And so we've had quite a lot of that. And... I've been trying to find ways around not using foam, even though the furniture that's coming in is designed to be used with foam, to be upholstered with foam. So Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Also, something that you've said has just made me so happy that you've said it because basically what you've said is traditional upholstery is more sustainable way of doing upholstery, which means that back in the day, we were naturally more sustainable than in modern times. 
Yeah, yeah. And this is what this season is about. So season six is all about makers and taking us back to traditional practices, traditional craftsmanship that is now becoming more fashionable in modern day. But when we look back, it was sustainable simply because it was, not because they did anything specific because no one was worried about the climate 100 years ago. <laughs> they didn't even know what that was. Yeah. So that is so cool Yeah. because you've just... Solve the whole episode in like one line. <laughs> Done. Oh, it's great. Yeah. So we do speak about whether or not upholstery is a sustainable practice. Yeah. And I guess it depends on which part you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what materials do you use and what is their environmental impact? Because you mentioned coconut fibres. I'd love mm-hmm. to hear more about that. And then animal fibres and, and different things. So what are your main materials? So the main materials that I use, and this will differ depending on the upholstery that you speak with. Well, I'm foam free. I mean, my New Year's resolution was to go foam free and I haven't heard anyone else doing it because oh, I wow. think people are a bit nervous about doing it just because that's what everyone's used to using. But what happened was one of the locked I think it was the second one there was a lack of a particular chemical that gets used in the making and the production of foam so we were all upholsters we were all kind of going spare because foam had gone really expensive and Mm. we couldn't get hold of it so I started experimenting with alternatives and I settled on something called rubberized coconut fibre and we use coconut fibre anyway in traditional upholstery, like I was saying, in its like loose form. Mm. And we stitch it into place to give it the shapes that we need. But the rubberized coconut fibre is been put through a machine that turns it into like a sheet form. And then it's sprayed with natural latex. So it comes like a sheet of foam. So you can use it in that way. It doesn't necessarily last as long and the feel of it can be a little bit more rough sometimes than foam but when I weighed everything up and with sort of doing a lot of experimentation for me it sort of sat a bit better with me and the fact that it's natural it can degrade so we're not chucking loads of old foam cushions into landfill yeah and I've also come up with a new formula for a cushion seat so No one can see what I'm sitting on, but you can see on this sofa there's a a lovely thick cushion. This has potentially got foam and I'm not really sure, but I've come up with an alternative where we're using rubberized coconut fibre with wool and I tuft it all together so it's a completely natural cushion. And when people's sofas or chairs, the cushions start to go, they can Mm. replace it with this. So when you ask me what materials I use, I do quite a lot of experimentation and I've done so much research into all of this stuff. The stuff that I'm using that isn't coming from the upholstery suppliers. The wool I use comes from like a construction website because it's building insulation. Everything I sort of played with, that was the one that worked the best. So generally speaking in upholstery, yeah, people do use foam. In the modern upholstery and polyester wadding is used quite Mm. a lot as well, which is for me also really problematic. But traditionally we use coconut fibre animal hair which is a mix of pig and horse tails Mm. and you know some people are against that from sort of a vegan point of view which I understand because they're taken from living animals a lot of wool and I do use a lot of wool and I know that again people do have problems with that because there's some really nasty videos that you can find on YouTube about mass farming of sheep and how they're sheared so There's that. But I have done over the past kind of two years is experiment, research and then decide where I sit with my own moral compass. And I'm not here to preach and tell others, you know, 
you're a bad upholsterer because you're using foam because there are good things about the properties of it. And there's problems with everything, you know, even coconut fibre because mm. actually there's plantations and those plantations, there's not that much research done on how they're impacting the environment and the species around them and the factories where those people are working to yeah. make that coir. I mean, I doubt they've got the same health and safety regulations that we have in our factories here. So there's never anything that's perfect, but I've decided what sits right with me and gone with that. Yeah, and I think that's what's important. When we talk about sustainability, we talk about that. You know, a lot of it is personal, but we can contribute to the positive in slightly different ways. And I think as long as you're doing something, there has to be some kind of impact. As long as you're trying, mm. then that's what's important. Yeah. And the fact that you are finding these alternatives, it's actually really, really exciting, which makes me think, are you training other people you're doing workshops like, I'm sure there's so many people that could really learn a thing or two from you yeah I do teach upholstery yeah oh, at London Met University which is in Allgate oh, wow. and we teach a, a diploma course there called the AMUSF diploma it stands for the Association of Master Upholsterers and Soft Furnishers I guess I have to put that in there <laughs> but it's really the only course that there is out there there's other centres that teach the same course but we have a certain syllabus that we have to stick to but within that syllabus, I've been able to chat with the students. And, you know, it's really exciting because they're bringing me stuff like this student the other day brought me this wool packaging that she'd got from her dog food that had been delivered and was frozen. And she was like, do you think I can stuff this into a chair? And I was like, yeah, let's try. <laughs> you know, I think it's amazing because they're the future of upholstery. Yeah. And I think not just them, but also it's about educating the customers because I can't do any of this if my customers turn around and say, do you know what, I don't really want to try that. Because yeah. they have to come with me on the journey and they have to trust me and go, that sounds good, let's give it a go. Yeah. So it's a bit of both, I think, educating the new upholsterers and also the consumers. Yeah, I can imagine. With the consumers, and this is great to talk about with our audience, but like, how do you explain to them and what are the things that you're saying to them in terms of furniture generally not being sustainable or not being eco-friendly or friendly to the planet? For the consumers, I mean, if they bring me something that they want me to work on, then I'll do the best that I can with that piece. But sometimes there are frames that aren't made as well. Mm. Um, in this country, there's quite a lot of big furniture companies where they make frames quite cheaply in the upholsteries maybe not done as well as it could have been and I'm not naming any names Tell at all. Tell us after. <laughs> <laughs> Off camera. I mean, what's really good about those places is they're affordable mm. or they're like affordable in inverted commas and they offer things like you can pay in finance, you can yeah. pay in bits, which makes it easier for people. But it's that whole thing of buy cheap, buy twice. And sometimes people do bring me things and... I think I'm going to upholster this, but the actual wood in this is not going to last very long. Uh -huh. So I think finding good quality frames, because then we can just do our magic on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's our kind of canvas. But again, I'm, I'm not here to say you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that, because I've got friends that go and buy sofas from those places and I'm not going to judge them about yeah. it. So. That's interesting, though. So it's all about the frames. I think so, yeah. We can upholster anything, you know, yeah. as long as the frame is solid, yeah. I mean, I've just finished something where the arm was literally hanging off when it came in the workshop, but it was an arts and crafts chair, so it was made really well. So mm. I just put some new dowel and fixed it back up, and you'd never know, you know, because it was made that. well. For you, what was the most exciting thing that you've worked on so far? 
Oh no! Sorry, this wasn't in the script, but <laughs> I'm like inspired now. So I'm like, oh. I'm really bad at that question because as soon as something comes in the workshop, I sort of fall in love with it, and then it goes, and I've almost like forgotten about it. I'm right like, next, <laughs> next. So because everything has got its own challenges yeah. and it, you sort of problem solve every time I'm really sorry I haven't got a good answer to that that's all right but what do you see most come through is it lots of sofas is it chairs what kind of products um, yeah a lot of sofas the classic don't know if you know of a company called Parker Knoll no they're a very good British furniture company and they were really involved in the development of like modern upholstery because they made this spring anyway lots of people have Parker Knoll chairs that mm. they're grandparents now have handed them down so they're bringing them to me oh, wow. so it's, they've become these like family heirlooms and I kind of love that because it's not something they necessarily would have chosen to have because yeah. it's maybe not the shape that people are really going for but they're keeping it and they're putting some nice fabric on it because they want to have that story so yeah I see quite a lot of them that's nice that's really nice is there like a trend right now because homeware is massive right now after the pandemic so everyone's redecorating I'm one of those people redecorating their homes and we're seeing a lot of boucle and white furniture and modern stuff what are you seeing come through the workshop yeah I agree the boucle is definitely in at the moment yeah I mean Trend-wise, again, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I have a sustainable fabric directory on my Mm. website, which is a collection of either natural or recycled fabrics that I've found over the years and continue to keep researching. It probably needs a bit of updating, actually. But I'll push people in that direction. So I'm kind of like wool. But people are loving wool at the moment, which is great. Yeah, it's really good. And also if you use wool, and this is really important and people don't realise, you don't need to treat the upholstery with fire retardant chemicals. So a lot of upholstery has chemicals in it because in this country they have these ridiculous rules about fire retardancy Mm. because back in the 80s when people used to smoke a lot or ovens weren't as safe, things caught on fire. (laughs) And that hasn't left us. So if you're using polyester, cottons lots of different types of fabrics you need to have something that's been sprayed with a nasty chemical actually wow and every time you sit on it it's like off gassing and it's people don't really know about it but if you use a wool because it's natural it's naturally fire retardant oh that's so Um, interesting yeah so yeah so i'm liking that because it means i don't have to oh that's really annoying yeah legislation is always in the wrong place i think like come on (laughs) so To wrap up, I'd love to know what you think is the future of upholstery and where you see it going in the next few years. Well, upholstery's been there for a long, long time. Mm. So I think in that way, it will continue just as it always has. But the future, I suppose, is in more open-minded upholsterers and more open-minded customers. And... I feel like myself as an upholsterer, I have a responsibility to do that research and to show people what the alternatives are. And I have. And I hope that other people will feel that they can do that and not be scared of the new. So my cushion that I've made, which I've called it the thought fill cushion. This is the new formula for the... Oh, yeah. For the... 
box cushion. I'm offering that out. And I did a talk in Bristol, actually, in February. And it was a room full of students. And I brought my thoughtful cushion and I showed them how I'd put it all together. And some people were saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should have painted it and all this kind of stuff. But they were so interested. And, you know, it's just me on my own doing all of this. I need other people. We need to sort of start a bit of a revolution, really. Mm. And they were so interested and they genuinely are trying all of these things. So it's down to them, really. On top of that, I think the upholstery suppliers, so what we are able to buy to make these new, exciting sort of formulas, have a responsibility as well. And we'll never get rid of foam because we're up against the automotive industry and the construction industry. I mean, there's a lot of foam that's used in those two industries so upholstery is sort of like on the scale of things it's not going to come and bowl those out I mean there's one that I'm particularly excited about which is called mycelium have you heard of this oh yeah I have yeah Yeah. Bianca spoke about this in her episode when you talked about it's when we had Bean London on and you were talking about mushroom bags yes so it's the correct me if I'm wrong but it's the root of the fungus and all you need to do (laughs) all you need to do I mean I haven't tried this yet but I'm going to this is my summer project is get some agricultural waste and put in the spore of this mycelium and just allow it to grow and it can make all sorts of structures and I think there's two main things I think they're using it in packaging and they're also using it, there's a sneaker company, I can't remember the name of them, they're using it in their soles as oh, like a foam. So, But at the moment, in this country, no one's bought the licence for the foam. And I'm just waiting until that happens because that is going to be so cool. When oh, we've wow. got mushroom, we're sitting on mushrooms. Mushrooms are having a moment, <laughs> whether it's with Gen Z taking shrooms, the mental health industry talking about how psychedelics can cure certain illnesses, mental illnesses, and then with bags, and now with sofas and sneakers. Like, wow, what can't mushrooms do? Yeah, (laughs) it's really cool. I can't believe it's taken us this long to realise it. Yeah. But it needs to get to this country because at the moment it's sober in the US and, yeah, we need people to, like, buy those licences and Mm. build those spaces where they can build these things because it's a bit, it's dripping a bit too slowly (laughs) for my liking. That's so interesting. So yeah. if anyone's listening and has money to buy a licence, if you could just get in touch <laughs> and then we'll make that happen. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in, being our first guest here in the studio. Big deal for us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much. And yeah. if people want to find you on social media or anywhere, where can they look? I've got an Instagram page. Perfect. It's just Vanessa.butt and a Facebook page as well, if anyone still uses that, which is <laughs> Vanessa Butt Upholstery. And my website, which is www.vanessabutt.co.uk. Fantastic. I imagine people have to come to you, so they can be from anywhere in London or wherever to give you their stuff. They don't, they don't have to be in South. No, they can come from anywhere, yeah. yeah. I mean, as long as there's not a tube strike on, we can <laughs> get it couriered, so it's fine. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, hit Vanessa up. Thank you. So, Vanessa was fantastic. It was so interesting to hear her point of view as a professional upholsterer and not like us TikTok watchers. Rambling on about (laughs) it from a very uneducated perspective. Well, I'd like to say I'm very experienced in watching upholstery. (laughs) But I want to go into the Sustainably Influenced Sustainability Score. (laughs) 
because if we think about it, we, and we discussed this, there are different sides to upholstery. You know, there are people who do have eco-friendly materials and different like eco-conscious mm. fibres involved in their production. Mm. Whereas there are other people that simply just use whatever's out there and they reupholster and don't necessarily use the best materials that will stand the test of time in an environmentally friendly way. Mm. So upholstery in terms of how sustainable it is, it could, and I hate that we do this all the time, but it could be super sustainable, but it could also be quite damaging to the environment. Yeah, but I think that's the whole point of the sustainability score. It's making us look at it from every side of the coin. Yeah. There's me just trying to sit on the fence as Getting per usual. Getting average, like that median. I think, though, I might just go a little bit out there and say reupholstering as or upholstery as a craft or as a trade, I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I was thinking eight. Because I think it's a great way of creating something new out of something existing. It's adding a new lease of life or giving a new lease of life to an item. And it's all about that longevity within something. Yeah. And for me, if you're prolonging the life cycle of any product, whatever it be, then that is you putting a con you're making a conscious effort to not then go and buy something else and use new resources and things. Mm. So I'm giving it an eight. That's me. Do you know what's interesting? <laughs> it could be a ten. Like it could, could actually be a, be a ten. If you're using um But you have to think about the adhesives and all of that stuff. No, but there are environmentally friendly options that you can use. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like with the fibres, there's like coconut fibres instead of whatever Plastic. poly something something poly that someone. <laughs> and then with the adhesives, there are more environmentally friendly. I don't know how great they are, but more eco-friendly options. And then depending on what the product is, if it's like wood, you could use recycled or repurposed wood. Material can be dead stock. You could actually do it in a way that you're not mm. causing any harm to anything. Fantastic. So I... I'm going to go with eight, but it could also be a ten. Okay, so we are now going to have a very special guest on the podcast. We have my nan. <laughs> I'm so happy about this. She's very excited to be here. She's not entirely sure what a podcast is, but she's going to smash it nonetheless. So without further ado, nanny. Welcome to the podcast. Okay, so we now have Nanny Rosa on the podcast, which is really exciting because we've spoken a lot about her on different episodes and how amazing she is. So welcome, Nan. Hello. <laughs> so we're going to talk about upholstery. So you were a dressmaker. Yes, that's right. Is upholstery or reupholstery the same as making a dress? Like, is it the same skill set or is it different? Well, it's more or less the same because you're building something, but you're taking something apart and making something new again. So it's like that. You need materials and you need the equipment and tools and what have you. Could you do reupholstery with anything at home or did you have to go and buy specific tools for it? Well, yeah, you need you need a staple gun if you're doing ordinary work, modern work. We say they do it with an upholstery gun Fun. yeah but if you've got an old piece of furniture and you want to do it as the like an antique you need tacks so you need a tacking hammer and the tacks that go with it and ribbing and molding and webbing and stuff like that all the bits and pieces um stretcher when you put the springs in things like that oh interesting so you you can't really just do it you have to be prepared yeah you have to be prepared but 
if you've got something that's small, like a drop-in seat, like what you sit on, the dining room chair, mm. the seats come out. And if you look at it, you unpick it, as I call it, but when you unpick it, you put it back the way you've took it off. Yeah. So you take the tacks out and you save anything that's good. Then the material comes off and then you make a material on it, tack and put it back as you think. Yeah, so it... Like that. Yeah, so you actually don't have to do lots of new stuff. You can just have like one bit of material yeah, and then yeah. put in. Interesting. Okay, so talk me through. We've made, I spoke about the really nice headboard. Remember the headboard that we made, yeah, yeah. the velvet one? So we've made that together, but you've made a lot for lots of different people in the family. Is there yeah. anything that you remember that you really like that you've, like, remade? Like my three-piece suite that I made. Oh, yeah. The armchair and settee I did. It was an Ikea and the material rot- rotted and split, so I took it off bit by bit from the bottom first then the other bits as it come and then reused some of the material because they was for fireproof Mm. and then recovered it bit by bit as I took it off I put it back new that way so you took the you took the old stuff off first and you worked from the the bottom to the top Mm. It's the only way I can explain it to you. Yeah, Nan's doing a lot of hand signals um, <laughs> in the recording. But yeah, bottom to the top. And not only upholstery, I've made curtains and I've made bed covers and I've made, go back to the curtains, I've made Venetian blinds, Roman blinds. Oh my God. And roller blinds, because you used to be able to buy all the equipment to do them. So you had a roller, I had a roller blind on a pole, so then I made it with a plastic material. Yeah. Like uh, American cloth, they called it. Mm. So that was a roller blind. And then I, I made a Roman blind, and it's scooped out, frills and what have you, with material, and it's done with string and plastic oh, yeah. rings and the cotton, the string goes through there and it pulls up like that. Look at you. And I've done a... What else is I've done? Lots of things. I once did another job of upholstery. Somebody had this blue chair and it was all worn out on the arms. It had holes in it and they they didn't want a new thing. They wanted me to mend it. But I was very young when I did that. I took a piece of material from the back of the chair because the chair was against the wall mm. and they wouldn't know that if it, they took the material. So And then I cut round it as the pattern was on the thing and then what they call applied it on, stitched it on, sewn, done it like that. Things like that, you know. (laughs) Just a normal thing like that that no one else I know can do. (laughs) (laughs) But once you can sew and you have an eye for things, I don't know, it's just a gift, I suppose, and I'm just using my gift, that's all. Oh, my God, you're so cute. Just using my gift, so modest. I wonder where I get it from. (laughs) When did you start doing it? Was it when you were really young? Was it when you started dressmaking? I was was, uh, 15 and I went to dressmaking. I had to go to work so that I went to a job which was a dressmaker's, very small. Mm. And I made wedding dresses and cocktail dresses, but not when I was 15. I threaded sequins on cotton for the (laughs) beader to use 
and I may I've sorted buttons out and shovel fulls of buttons on the table and then matched them up sixes and twelves buttons. I had zips because in those days you couldn't get a red zip or a green zip or a yellow zip to go with the lacy material. They were only white and black. So you dyed the white one to go with whatever colour dress you had. Oh, wow. Such a different time. Yeah, yeah. When you were younger at home, how did you shop for furniture? Like, was everything just kind of made? Well, when I was young and first got married, you mean? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I just went, we went for, um, it was G-plan time, so you just bought G-plan furniture. Mm. And you paid for each piece, uh, whether you had it weekly or what, I don't know. It depends on how rich you were, I suppose. <laughs> And then when it got scruffy, you then just... Oh, when it got scruffy, you had to wash it and wipe it down and uh, mend it and what have you. Yeah. You weren't just throwing it away and buying a new one? No, 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 not at all, not at all. <laughs> you covered it with a sheet or something like that or other material. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Much better time because... Yeah, because it's a throwaway world now. And the dresses, clothes that you buy today... If you've you got to pay a lot, a lot of money. When I was young, you could make a dress, a shift dress for two pounds or even a pound mm. with a bit of curtaining that you could buy. And that was a nice dress to go out and do rock and roll, dancing in, in it. And it had only cost you a pound. Oh, take us back. Yeah, and it, and it was, they were made good in those days. But today's the way it's made. The patterns are not matched and you, you see a girl walking along the street, she's got half the skirt down there and the other half up here because <laughs> they haven't cut it properly, yeah. you know, all like that. hundred percent. I have a friend, um, she's been on the podcast before, Andrea, and she talks a lot about that. She goes into shops and talks at, about the stitching. She'll say, oh, this is badly stitched and oh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have paid this much. And there's, yeah. she reminds me of you. And do you remember yeah. I bought that coat and I, it didn't have a lining in yeah. the trench coat? And you're like, oh, there's no lining. Oh, how cheap, how cheap yeah, is yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I went to a museum, but it was a house and it had all the clothes from the war, like 1940s or and before clothes on stands and all that. And I, I spent my time looking at them. And the people I was with, they kept saying to me, what's she looking at? What's she looking at? And when I, I got in and had the cup of tea with them, they asked me what was. I said, I'm looking at the stitching and it, to see if it was done by machine or hand. And it was all hand done. Mm. And you couldn't tell the stitching if it was machine or hand done. Because it was so good. It was so good, yeah. And that's how I was taught. So I sat at a table doing hand stitching when I was 15 and I didn't do the sewing machine until I was nearly 18. Mm. So I had two years or so learning to do very fine hand stitching. Oh, wow. It was like that, you see. So I was trained to do it properly I love that well thank you so much Nanny for joining us today you're welcome dear
Sustainably Influenced is hosted by Charlotte Williams and me, Bianca Foley. This season was produced by Content is Queen, sound edited by Amber Miller. Thank you.